Well, good morning, Life Church. Good morning. All awesome day already. It's going to be an awesome rest of this day. Today's baptism day. We have a couple people that's going to be baptized in a little bit, and that's exciting. Are you not excited? That, that's an exciting thing, isn't it? Yeah, to see people um, choose to follow Jesus and then make that public in uh, baptism. So that's going to be exciting right after the service out front. You probably saw the big trough out there, the our baptism. So that's always one of the highlights whenever we have these days like that. So pretty cool. But we are, uh, as you know, if you've been around Life Church for a while, we have some amazing young people uh, from little ones, high schoolers, and then college students. Uh, this year, if you're new around here, haven't been around, we, we, we have, uh, our church is only a few years old, and we already have, uh, this past year, there were was six, we had six kids in Bible college this last year. Pretty amazing uh, what God has already done at Life Church. Yeah, that's something to celebrate. That, that, that is pretty amazing. And one of those students here, Ariana, we don't get to see Ariana all the time, but Ariana's been around Life Church now, I don't know, probably about yeah, about since almost the beginning she's been. Uh, we met her, my daughters did over at Windermere High School and everything. And uh, so she was part of the youth group. And then she is, t- tell them where you're going to school. I'm going to Southeastern University. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And where is, what, what, what is your major? I'm studying practical ministries. Practical ministries. Yes. Well, very good. This is, you're in the perfect spot, right? Yes. Uh, church plant. <laughs> this is a very practical ministry right here, isn't it? Yeah. So with that, though, but Ariana, in the last year, what, uh, God's kind of been kind of uh, doing a lot of things in your heart in regards to a particular kind of ministry, though, hasn't he? Yes. He has definitely called me to do missions, which is very cool, and I've mm. never really even felt inclined to travel or anything and he put it on my heart um this past fall to go do missions so i've been doing that yeah and um here just a couple months ago she was able to go to where was it again puerto rico puerto rico yeah we have some people from puerto rico over Woo! here uh they go to life church that have moved here but uh with that um life church you you may not know this but um we were able to get behind of course um uh to go to puerto rico to go on a mission trip it costs money right and uh so ariana was raising money and and trying to beg borrow and steal and everything in between right <laughs> to be able to do this and um so being one of our kids, we were able to step up and we were able to help Ariana uh, financially to help her get to um, Puerto Rico. And that's because of your generous giving that we're able to do that. We're and, um, we've got another mission trip by um, Abby Marzella is going to Greece, I think for a month coming up here, uh, doing some missions work. And we're going to get behind her and we're going to help her as well. We'll let her tell you about that here in a couple weeks when she's here. But we love to be able to get behind our young people and kind of fl- fan the flame of what God is doing inside of their life. Uh, so, but you've got to, not only were you in Puerto Rico, t- tell us a little bit about that trip. Um, so my Puerto Rico trip, I partnered with my school, which is SEU, and we partnered with our missions department. So we went with SEU missions and we partnered with a organization called Terra Vive in Puerto Rico. And they're actually church planting over there in San Juan. And they sent 200 people out to the north, south, east, and west regions, and I was part of the west team, and we basically just did like street evangelism and spreading the gospel, and we were just able to go serve at different churches and different ministries that had to do with construction or Hurricane Maria relief, and we spent a whole 10 days just loving people. 
like Jesus would love people. And it was probably one of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Amen, amen, that's exciting. Now she's also, um, she's an ambitious young lady. She not only has gone on one uh, mission trip already this spring, but you've got two more trips coming up. But tell us a little bit about those trips coming yes, up. Yes, so I'm going to be traveling to Peru, which is so exciting. And I'll be there from May 29th to June 7th. So that's about 10 days. And I'm gonna be doing children's ministry there. So my um, team with SU Missions is going to partner with another ministry over there and we're going to be putting on kind of like a summer camp um, or like a church camp. So we're going to be doing that and loving the children of Peru. We're going to be teaching them English. We're going to be doing anything from arts and crafts to performing arts to sports and just teaching them about the love of Jesus. And I'm also going to be going to Spain, which is for 20 days. And we're going to Do be you speak doing... Spanish? I do not speak Spanish you don't? Okay. yet. Okay, yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm learning, definitely. Um, but I'll be in Spain, and we're going to be doing similar things to what we did in Puerto Rico. So we probably won't be doing as much construction, but going and serving at different churches and just going to spread the good news and the love of Jesus. So that's really what it's all about, and just um, just wanting to see life change happen. Amen, amen. Well, everybody, let, let, let's give Ariana a hand up here to this morning. Ariana, thank you. Yes, very good. Thank you. It is pretty incredible, guys, to see young people give their lives to Jesus and to say, God, I'll go wherever it is, wherever you want me to do, I'm willing to do whatever. And um, I know Ariana still has needs. I, um, to, she's still raising money to go on some of these other trips and everything that she's going on. If you want to be part of that and help her, you can see Ariana after service, and she can hook you up, and you, you can, she can tell you how you can help her in that way. So um, it's just you never go wrong when you invest in young people and when you invest in, in people's dreams and what God has for them. And we're excited to be a church to do that, to walk alongside so many great young people around here. And um, so pretty awesome. Also, um, before we get into the message here, just, just one quick moment. People have been asking, uh, we've mentioned in church, and we had that prayer meeting out at that uh, building a little over a month ago. Um, keep praying about that. We are still in a conversation. And uh, with the owner of the building, there's been a lot of different moving pieces and everything with that. Um, he had the owner, he, he was actually at, at our service last Sunday because he wanted to kind of see what we did and all that. So that was pretty cool. And so we've just been in this ongoing conversation. And in the next couple of weeks, it, it's going to, I think we're going to have a whole lot of clarity uh, on direction, whether that is for uh, that God wants us to continue on right here at Water Spring, or whether that's going to be just right down the road, just a couple miles and uh, down there off of Bali Road, right off of Avalon. Um, so just keep praying. And we we will keep you in the loop and we'll just see what God does. It's an exciting time to be part of Life Church. It's exciting time because I, I still kind of feel, um, even though we're now a little over five years in, uh, because of COVID, you know, everything that we dealt with in that time period, I still feel like you guys are still kind of on the ground floor. Of what, of what the big things that God has in the future for Life Church, And it's going to be pretty incredible. What God already has done and what he is going to do in the future, it's going to be an amazing thing to be a part of. And that all of us here have the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of others. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. And uh, if you're here and you're like, man, where, where, where can I get plugged in? What do I do? Where can I serve? Or how can I serve a Life Church? I'm telling you, there, is, there are opportunities 
opportunities everywhere for you to lean into the giftings that God has placed on your life in order to make a difference in the lives of people for for his kingdom. Uh, so it's an amazing thing. Uh, see me, see Stephen up here, people on stage, you know, find people in the orange shirts around here that say, I can help. Uh, and um, they can point you all in the right directions and stuff like that and get you that information. So, and immediately following the service, don't forget we do have that baptism. Everybody's welcome to stay around because it is a celebration uh, when we do that. Uh, but also, uh, as, as, as we continue this morning, if you want to open up to John chapter 5, uh, we are continuing our series just walking through the book of John, the gospel of John. And really the whole idea is um, a change because as people get to Jesus and as we find out who Jesus is, right? We believe that Jesus changes lives. Just like that very first song that uh, we sung this morning. Let me tell you about my Jesus. They, we, we all sang together that Ariana led us in. Why? Because my Jesus can change your life. And that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Remember the time when you met Jesus? When you chose to follow him and the life change that happens? When you said yes to him? That's an amazing thing. To know Jesus is incredible. When we're, we're going to be jumping down to the, uh, starting in verse 18 here in just a moment. But it reminded me of a story of a man named, um, uh, I don't know if you ever heard this before. Do you realize that there was a man who actually sold the Eiffel Tower? He actually, somebody, somebody was, there was this con man named Victor Lustig, and he was one of the most talented confidence tricksters who ever lived. He was born in 1890 in Bohemia, Czechoslovakia. He was a glib and charming con man, fluent in multiple languages. He established himself by working scams on the ocean liners steaming between Paris and New York City. Lustig's first con involved a Money printing machine. Now, wouldn't we all like one of those, right? Everybody in here, right? A money printing machine. He would demonstrate the capability of the small box to clients, all the while lamenting that it took the device six hours to copy a $100 bill. The client, sensing huge profits, would buy the machines for a high price, usually over $30,000. And you remember, this guy was born in 1890, so we're talking $30,000 is a lot of money now, but it ain't nothing compared to what it was back then, right? We all know what inflation is, right? Okay. Over the next 12 hours, the machine would produce two more $100 bills. After that, it produced only blank paper as its supply of $100 bills became exhausted. By the time the clients realized that they had been scammed, Lustig, man, he was gone and he's on to the next town going on for the next scam. In 1925, Lustig's master con began when he was reading a newspaper. Uh, An article discussed the problems the city was having maintaining the Eiffel Tower. So he adopted the persona of a government official and sent six scrap metal dealers an invitation to discuss a possible business deal. Lustig told the group that the upkeep of the Eiffel Tower was so outrageous that the city could, could not maintain it any longer and wanted to sell it for scrap. Can you believe people actually fall for this stuff? You know, it's, it's like, oh, man. So, uh, so he sold the Eiffel Tower to one of the scrap metal dealers and took a train to Vienna with a, f- with a suitcase full of cash. 
The buyer was too humiliated to complain to the police. Could you imagine going, say, hey, I bought the Eiffel Tower? You know, I'll be like, what? They'd be like, what are you doing? You know, Victor Lustig was the ultimate con man that was eventually caught and imprisoned, and he ended up dying at Alcatraz um, years later. But as we look into the end of John chapter 5 here, People since the time of Jesus, since the time that he walked that, this earth for those some 33 years there, from that point till now, have questioned, have doubted, and been skeptical of whether or not Jesus really was who he said he was. You may be even here today, and maybe church hasn't been your thing, and maybe you're just kind of investigating this thing, or maybe somebody, you know, um, uh, you know just twisted your arm to come, or maybe you're watching online, and uh, you, you maybe have doubts, and you may, you may question some of these things and are skeptical. Don't feel bad, because you're, you're, you're not alone. People, since the time of Jesus, have had questions and doubts. And this is where I believe God is okay with your doubts and questions. And he, he's okay for you to be searching because, like I said in the beginning, you know, when you get to Jesus, when you really see him for who he is, you realize, oh, it's pretty cool. He can change my life. Jesus changes lives. Remember John, John, the writer of this gospel here, he wrote his gospel ultimately so that we might believe. He tells this towards the end of the gospel. He says he, he wrote all this so that we might believe. Keep in mind, not only, not, only, not only the writer of the gospel, but Jesus himself. You know, why didn't Jesus just, just come and uh, just live like us, take on human flesh, and just immediately just go to the cross, right? And then rise from the dead. He spent that time of public ministry so as to alleviate doubts and questions for who he really was and what he taught and what he did. So Jesus as well, not, not only the writer, John, write these things and everything that in, inside the book so that we might believe, but Jesus, everything he taught and everything he did had an end goal so that we might believe so that we could experience life that could only be found in him. So let's pick up here in John chapter 5, starting at verse number 18 as we walk through this. It says, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Remember last week, and in the first part, if you, and if you missed it, I'm going to kind of fill you in real quick, okay? Jesus, Jesus came to Jerusalem, and then while he came to Jerusalem, he came, he, when he walked in, there was this pool uh, that there, the pool of Bethesda, and there were a bunch of people that, that were crippled, lamed, and, 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 and couldn't see and everything, and they were there waiting for the waters to be stirred so that they could be healed. Well, Jesus walks by this crippled guy that had been there a whole long time, and Jesus, eventually in this conversation, tells him rise up and the guy does Jesus heals him and sends him on his way he says carry your mat and go so G Jesus there performs this miracle and not only that did he perform the miracle but he did it on the Sabbath the Sabbath and you weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath even good things like that so remember, he healed the lame man on the Sabbath here. And then if we were to go over to the book of Matthew, one of the other gospels talking about the life of Jesus, we see that on probably the very next Sabbath, 
Jesus performs another miracle. What all the religious people and, 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 and people cited like, Jesus, what are you doing doing all these good things and helping people on the Sabbath? Don't you know you're not supposed to do anything? But Jesus here says in his response to the people who were getting on to him for actually doing what he did on the Sabbath, Jesus says here, I'm only doing what I see my father do. My father works on the Sabbath, so you know what I'm doing? I'm working on the Sabbath too. So I'm going to do what he says. Jesus on another occasion says this about the Sabbath. He, he says in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, 28, he says this, the Sabbath was made for man. This is Jesus talking. The Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus, in essence, is telling them, you've got this whole thing wrong here. And here Jesus puts himself equal to God and says to them, what I, what, what I put in place, I'm the one who put the Sabbath in place. And what I put in place for your good, you have abused and made it about you and not about me. Man took control of the Sabbath instead of the Sabbath being about him. You see, Jesus here, here you did, and in this, in this conversation, he says, listen, I'm the one who created it. He made himself equal with God the Father there. So let's, so let's get back to John and see Jesus' response to those that were upset at him for healing the lame man on the Sabbath. And listen to the claims that Jesus made about himself. And these are the things that just irritated the religious establishment. In verse 19, Jesus, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Then he says, truly, truly again. When Jesus says truly, truly, surely, surely, depending on whatever version you read there, but truly, truly, he, he, he's trying to get you and he's trying to get the people to lean in and listen and really understand. He's saying, listen here, listen here. You got to pay attention. If you got kids, if you, if you all have kids, I've had four and I still have four. So that's a good thing. You know, sometimes you didn't know if they were going to make it. But uh, my little eight-year-old, sometimes she's all over the place, right? And uh, you just got to tell her, all right, Molly, you got to listen. All right, I need you to listen. I need you to focus, okay? So it's as though Jesus here, when he says truly, truly, he's wanting us to say, okay, let, let, lean into this and listen. He says this, he says, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Then again, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now, and now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to ex execute judgment because he, because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Let's stop there for, for just a few moments here, okay? Jesus here, man, he puts in, he says, listen here, I am God in the flesh. I am the visible representation of God to us, to you. He was God in the flesh. Do you ever sit and you ever just wonder and think about what we call the Trinity? You know, we, we, we don't see the word Trinity in Scripture. But when we talk about the Trinity, when we talk about the Godhead that we call, that, 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 that the Bible talks about, we're in, in Scripture, we see God the Father, we see God the Son, and in, and in this exchange right here, Jesus is making it very clear about God the Father and God the Son, and then there's also that third person, the Holy Spirit, right? The Trinity, have you ever just tried to wrap your mind around the Trinity? It, 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 it's kind of this mind-blowing kind of thing, how three can be one and, and, and all that. And, and it can be kind of confusing to, to kind of understand. But what I do know is that in Jesus, in the Trinity, what we see and how that works there in the three and one is that they work in perfect unison. And that they work in perfect relationship with one another. That's pretty cool. So when we look at Jesus, when we, when we look at God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we see the way that, that that all functions and how that they're submissive to one to another and all and how all that works and how they all work together to accomplish all this thing, that they're, they're that three in one. Man, we can kind of see what it would look like for us to work together to, 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 to live this thing in relationship with one another. It, it's pretty incredible concept and re really too deep for us to get into this morning. But with what Jesus was claiming to, de to, to be, with what Jesus was claiming to be here to the people, it would have been really easy for people to think he was crazy, wouldn't it have been? For Jesus to there sit and claim, listen, I'm God, I can do whatever I want to do. You can just hush your mouth right there, right? It would have been real easy for people to look at him and think, man, that man is off his rocker nuts, right? I remember a time when I was on staff in Mississippi at the church down there. And it's like every time my father-in-law was gone, I worked for my father-in-law for 10 years on staff and, um, in Byron, Mississippi, just south of Jackson. And, and um, when I was there, there was, there was this guy who came in off the street one day and drove up, got out of his car, came into the office, and um, he wanted to talk to the pastor. Well, the pastor, I wasn't the pastor, and everybody wants to talk to the pastor, right? I was just a little peon, you know, so, but he was stuck with me this day. And so I go, and uh, the secretary gets me, and then I take him back in my father's law, father-in-law's office. It was always cool when he was out of town. I got to use his office and everything. Felt like he had the big desk, you know, and everything, and all the books, all the stuff. So I felt like the man that, that when he was gone, you know. And uh, so I'm there, and he sits down and we start talking and um, this guy, it didn't take too long to realize that this guy was crazy, okay? You guys ever, you guys know what I'm talking about, okay? All right, so much so that he thought, and if you know much about the book of Revelation in the Bible, there, it, it talks about two witnesses that go around the world. And in these witnesses, he felt like he needed to stop in and let me know that he was one of the two witnesses of the book of Revelation. 
And so we're having this conversation, and I'm just like, oh, really? You know, tell me more about this, <laughs> you know, just kind of talking. And um, we, we talked for a little while, and by the time he left, I had him a card for a counselor, and um, literally, you know, and um, I'm trying to get him hooked up. But, I mean, this dude was off his rocker, you know. But not unlike that, do people at this time look at Jesus the same way, and even probably still do today some? This guy's off his rocker. Who does he think he is claiming that he is God? He can't be God. Because Jesus here puts himself equal with God. He would, Jesus would later say in John chapter 14, verse 8, he would, he would later on say, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Say, so you've seen me, you've seen my daddy. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Me, me and him, we, we are one and the same right here. Jesus over and over again tried to tell, tried to tell and convince people that he was who he said he was, that he was the real deal. And then he backed it up by those miracles, right? By the, by the incredible things that he did that no one else could have done unless you were God in the flesh. And then G Jesus didn't expect people to just take his word that this was true, but, did, but then he, he then says there are people with credibility that you should also believe. Not, not, not only, just, don't, don't just take my word for it, but here's some exam, other examples that if you don't believe me here, believe this guy over here for what, what he says about me. Go on, start in verse number 30 here with me. It says, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bear, bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. Here, Jesus, when he talks about John right here, he's talking about John the Baptist that we've talked about a few different times. And that the writer, the, the, this John that wrote the book is not John the Baptist, two different people. And the writer, John, here, he wrote about this John the Baptist, and here Jesus, again, he, he's referring, don't, don't just take my word for it, but there are other people who believe the same thing. You can't trust me, trust him. John, John the Baptist here, he, he, was, he was the forerunner. He was the herald. He was the one to prepare the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. As the Bible says, is, he said that he was the one, he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And John, he, man, all he did is just go and point people to Jesus. He, he knew what his role was. He knew what his calling was. And that was to, to do nothing more than just to prepare the way for Jesus, to point people to him. And when Jesus burst on the scene, you know what he did? He said, this is the guy I told you about. This is the one I've been preaching about. Now, don't follow me. Follow him. So Jesus here is telling the, the, these religious guys, and the crowd around here say, listen, you, if you don't want to just take my testimony, take his testimony. It goes on in verse 39, it says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Here's the thing. There is one central figure in all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation and at this point, the New Testament hadn't been written. So Jesus is just talking about the Old Testament portion. 
what they had already in hand. It was all about him. The Bible is all about Jesus from the very beginning to the very end. He is the central figure. It's all about him. He says in verse 40, he says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Jesus looked and said, man, you don't even know me. You don't love me. He says, I have come in my father's name and you did not receive me. If another comes in, the, in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another? Do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, and they all know this name, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. Man, they set their hope on the wrong person. Jesus is saying, listen, you set your hope, hope, hopes and dreams on the wrong person. You missed the point of what Moses wrote about. Moses represented the law, the Ten Commandments, right? Then all the other laws that came after that. And Jesus is saying, listen, you, 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 you've totally missed the whole point of everything there. They, because people for years and years and centuries looked to the law to make them righteous, to make them good enough. And that wasn't the intent of the law. The law was, wasn't intended to be a way of redemption and a way for us to be right with God. It was for us to look kind of in a mirror and realize, man, I need God's grace. You ever looked at the Ten Commandments? Just look at the Ten Commandments and think, man, if you're honest with yourself, you got to think, man, I am, <laughs> I've messed up a whole bunch of these, right? There ain't no way I can gain God's favor on my own. It was for us to look at and realize, man, I'm messed up and I need grace. It says 46, he says, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote of me. You think Moses wrote to Jesus? Yeah, he did. He says, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? John, the writer of this gospel, had already referred, had already referred to Moses in chapter three. And he had referenced, you know, Jesus being the picture of that, of that serpent being, being uh, put up on the brass pole and that everyone who looked up would live. Go back and read that story again. Amazing story. Moses wrote about Jesus. So here you go as we wind this thing down. You, you, you may be skeptical of this whole thing. And you know what? It's okay. These, the, the, these people right here were skeptical as well. You may be skeptical of religion. You might be skeptical of church. You might be skeptical of preachers. You might be skeptical. It's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. There are those that respect also that they respect Jesus' teachings and, and, and think that he was a good moral man and that, that he did a lot of great things, and he did. And the existence of Jesus as a man is without dispute in history. Whether or not you believe the Bible account of it, historians of that time, such as Josephus, have, have written about him, written about Jesus as a man and, and the things that he did and said. Jesus' distinct claims of being God, though, the very claims that he made and the claims he made in this conversation he was having with people right there that doubted this and people that wanted to put him to death. His very claims of be just being a good moral man or a prophet, man, 
just that right there had to just, you, you, you can't just think that he was just a good moral man. So often that, that conclusion is passed off as the only one accepted, acceptable to scholars or as the obvious result of an intellectual process. Because the trouble is, either he really was who he said he was or he was a crazy man. Many people nod their heads in reasoning and never see the kind of the fallacy of that reasoning. C.S. Lewis, some of you might know that name. He was a professor at Cambridge and at one point in his life was a professed atheist who later became a, a defender of the Bible and Jesus, a fierce defender. You may know him as the writer of, of the books, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. He was the man who made this saying famous about Jesus being either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. C.S. Lewis wrote this about Jesus. He says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. Then Lewis adds this. He says, you can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He... Jesus has not left that open to us. He didn't intend to. So what do you do with Jesus here today? So how do you answer that question about who Jesus is? Do you believe like the writer of this gospel? Like Jesus claimed himself to be? Do you believe that? Do you, believe, do you realize that Jesus also in John chapter 14 said this about himself? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said about himself. He said, listen, I'm the way. I'm the one that's going to go to the cross. I'm the one that's going to make a way. I'm God stepping out of heaven and stepping into the mess of humanity and then bridging that gap so that you and I and all people around the world could have the opportunity to have a relationship. It's Jesus. He said, I'm the way. There is no other way. He says, I am the way. Remember, Jesus said even here in John verse 24 again, he said, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. A life for now and a life forever. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Who do you say Jesus is with heads bowed and eyes closed all across this room here today? How do you answer that question? Have you ever answered that question? Have you ever, have you ever chosen to follow Jesus? Maybe, maybe you're still just on a journey. That's okay. I, I'd encourage you to keep coming back. As we talk about this Jesus in the Bible that, that, that I believe changes lives. Why do I believe? Because I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've seen it in other people's lives. I have no doubt about what I'm preaching. But how about you? How do you answer that question? 
Maybe today you're ready to step across that line of faith. Maybe you're ready to say yes to him. Let me remind you, God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you could have life. And here's what's amazing about God is that he knows you best and he loves you anyway. He loves you most. If that's you, you know what you can do today is you, you can start a relationship with Jesus right there in your seats or right there online, wherever you're watching from. By simply saying this, and it's not, this is not any magic or anything like that in these words. It's a- a- actually a heart attitude. And out of your heart, all you got to do, if you want to pray this prayer right here, you can say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. I'm lost without you. Thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice he made for me. I want to say yes to you today. I want to follow you with my life. Take me, make me yours. Amen. God, I pray now that you would just bless. Lord, we're thankful for the time to come together as your church, to gather, to worship you, to make much of you today, make much of your son, Jesus. God, we're thankful that he loved us so much that he went to a cross. Lord, we're thankful for your word, for giving us your word, Lord, so that we might have the opportunity to know you, to believe. God, we're so thankful for what you've entrusted to us. God, and I pray, Lord, if there's someone out here today who's already made that decision to follow you this morning, or maybe, God, they're still just, 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 um, just kind of on the fence there. God, I pray that you give them the faith and the courage to make that decision. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.